Our biological overlord is making me say this. Go to punchingsideways.com to listen, share, and support the podcast. Crap, he's back already. Gotta transform back into a toaster. That man loves his toaster. Punchingsideways.com Hey, hey, what are you at? Josh here. Just checking in to let you know that today's guest is the very funny and incredibly likable, hilarious Oliver Hunter. Ollie is an Aubrey-based comedian, and he's actually doing two dates coming up at the Sydney Fringe 2019. Those are September 21 and 22. Ollie is supporting Jamal Abdul, who I've heard is also a very funny human being. I'll put all the event details in the show notes for the podcast you're listening to today. And for anyone who maybe wants to see me, try out a whole cluster of brand new jokes for the very first time in front of another human being. I'll be doing a quick set at the September Splendid in the Last here in Albury at Splendid Books. That's on September 12th. So all the details for both shows, both for Ollie and myself, will be in the show notes. And just before we get going, this is only part one of the conversation with Ollie because we ended up talking for way longer than I normally would record for. I've had a quick listen to the audio and a lot of it's very funny and we get into some pretty cool stuff. So I wanted to give you as much Ollie in your ears as possible. So this is just part one. Hopefully that's not annoying anybody. It's just honestly easier for me to edit a shorter episode and do that more often when I can find a chunk of an hour here and there than put aside half a day to do a massive long episode. So in the end, hopefully, if the conversation's worthwhile, you end up getting more of the person and myself than what you may necessarily have gotten before. Okay, let's get after it. I'm the, I'm the only one in this conversation that can bag my town out. So I get weirdly defensive. So do you think that that is a cultural difference between Australians and people from the US or people from Albury and everywhere else? I feel like if... Because they sound like they're comfortable bagging out your town when really that should be only you that can do that. Yeah, I think I feel like that's a, that's a general thing as well that people... Because I'll, I'll bag out America. Like I've got a, great American friends, but I will, you know bag them out about stuff about being American. I actually said to one of my, one of my friends, he was from he's from Boston, right? And I said, uh, are you? I just said generically, are you Yanks or you know all loud and arrogant for whatever reason? And I wasn't having a genuine go. But he arced up so hard about Yank because he took it as I'm not from New York, and because if you're from Boston, you hate like the Yankees because you're Red Sox. Yeah. I don't know if any sports fans, but. There's a massive rivalry between New York and Boston, but he took it so specifically as that. Whereas I'm like, oh no, we just we just call all you Yanks. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's your derogatory generic term. That yeah. And they're like, oh, and he just couldn't accept because I had other friends who were like, yeah, I love that. Like, I called another. I had an American roommate at uni. Swear I all know them from all uni exchange students. And um, <laughs> I said to one of them, this girl. I go, oh, they go, what do you, what do you call us, Yanks? And she goes, I really like that. I said, oh, we, you know, I said, if you really want to get into the Aussie uh, slang, you're actually, you could be known as um, septics or sepos. 
septic tank. And I explained, like, septic tank, yank. Yeah. And she's like, oh, that's amazing. So every time it's my birthday, for example, she'll post on my Facebook and say, oh, uh, happy birthday, Ollie. I can't wait for you to come back and party with us with our sepos. So <laughs> that's great. Um, but, yeah, it's, Hello. that's Gus. He's now up and about. Um, Gus is awake. And uh, after having a conversation about not forgetting to hit record, I only recorded about the last two minutes of what we've said. So. Oh, there you go. So, so all, all the uh, dog chats out yeah, the window. Yeah, all the dog chats just for people that are listening. We had a rather lengthy conversation about the size of this greyhound, which I might somehow get some dimensions off before we leave today because it's more like the size of a small horse. Yeah, he's, um, I reckon a toddler could ride him for sure. Um, I'm sorry, Gus, I was saying you're a bit heavy, mate. Yeah. He's actually quite built. Yeah, he's, he's quite solid. He doesn't have a lot of fat on him. If you did a... If you can imagine a greyhound that at one point ate another greyhound. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's quite slim and quite uh, quite ripped. Yeah. I wish I had his, his body composition. Yeah, uh, I think that I also agree with that. And I also wish that I could just wake up mid-conversation and just join in. <laughs> yeah. He's, I don't often get that opportunity. He's decided. Um, I'm he's, awake now. He's awake and he's going to be up and about and he wants to get on the podcast. Hello. So, but Gus, you got a backup champ. Uh, <laughs> so, come back here. Um, so, with the American roommates and the whole Seppo thing, I mean, I'm not sure whether I would say that, but no, I, it's I was quite. Is that where? Yeah, it sounded like one of those stories. <laughs> Were you already thinking about doing comedy at that point? Uh, yeah, so that was the, the sort of era I start. I thought about doing comedy, so that would have been my. Third. So you were a uni comedian, yeah. So, that's where so I was went to university in Wollongong, um, and so that that roommate that conversation happened in my first year, so about twelve months before I just. I didn't really decide. I find it interesting that people, and I like don't disagree with people that have. I'll hear some Amer- especially American comics. They'll go, "Oh, I just I knew I wanted to be a comic since I was nine. I heard like Eddie Murphy's Raw, and I was like, that's what I want to do. I'm like, that's a bit out, like you're not. How do you know you're gonna be funny when you're nine? Well, I don't think you are. Yeah, and I was just I, I just thought that was weird. Like, I'm probably not super proud to admit this, but until I was about sixteen, I didn't know that comedy was like a full time. I th- I thought like Will. So your impressions of comedy were more correct at that point yeah, than they are now. Like I thought Will Anderson just showed up to the gala, like the Melbourne Comedy Gala, for like once a year. Yeah, did like five minutes on the gala. Which was on Channel Ten. Dug himself out from under a tractor somewhere. And like, yeah, like he had a regular job, and then he went back to doing that for the next eleven months. Because I, I did know that the comedy festival in Melbourne ran for a month. Yeah. So I thought that they just did like five, you know, a month's worth of five minute spots, and then went home to where whatever they did. Yeah. For the rest of the year and rest of their lives. So, so what? So what changed that? I didn't really have a moment, but I just kind of realised that that that's what you could do. And then I would have been, yeah, 20, second year of uni and I was coming home after many alcoholic beverages in a taxi <laughs> um, and it was in Wollongong and I saw a sign for the Wollongong Comedy Club and at the time I thought, oh, I'm a fan of stand-up. Like Aubrey didn't really have a comedy, like a regular comedy club. Like this one was twice a month, it's out on the banner. So I was like, oh, that'd be, that'd be sweet, that'd be a good night out. And then um, in the same drunken sort of thought, I was like, oh, I think I, I might do that. Uh, like my mum said I was funny, uh, so I might give that a go. I um, I Googled Bulling on Comedy when I got home at three in the morning yeah. and said, oh, do you do open mic? 
guys want to do it. Can I can I do it? And got a response a couple of days later from uh, Stu, who I know pretty well now, and he said, "Yeah, we don't have an open mic as yet. I'm hoping to get one started, but come and do an, a spot in amongst the pros at our pro night, like at our um, at one of our twice a month gigs." And at the time, I was like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> Like, that's all I've been offered, so I'll yeah, do that. I'll do it, whatever. Um, and he goes, here's three dates, pick one. And I picked the furthest one from that day. Yeah. But at this time, I still didn't hit me how what I was doing. Yeah. So I said, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do this day. And it was about eight weeks from from that day we had the email conversation. And then I went, oh, now I have to, he goes, look, five minutes, three minutes, whatever. Yeah. You know, if you want to do four jokes, three jokes. Whatever your style is, what you probably don't know it yet, but just do whatever you can. Just try to be funny. Yeah. And I was like, all right. And I think I said I started writing. I was like, all right, what are some stories? But I think what I was fortunate with, I realized pretty quick how a joke works. If that makes sense. Yeah. So like, even if it was a story, I could see that. Okay, I want them to laugh there. I want a punch. This is what I thought. I didn't really know it at the time, but. That's what a punchline is. Yeah. So I, I think I did that pretty well. That, and you know, uh, I, people won't be able to see this unless you know me. But I'm in a wheelchair as well and have a disability. So I knew that there was content there, and I just sort of wrote some stuff and um, and then did the first gig. The first gig went well enough for me to do a second gig. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's. The hard, the thing I say to, I've said to people because I've been doing about four years, four and a half years, which I think is why I've been paying extra attention to when you, yeah, okay, yeah, when you've been saying things because I'm like he's a little bit further down the path yeah. than I am, and he, I mean, I've only seen you do that open mic joke yeah. which you were working towards, and yeah, I think that when that Superman joke gets sorted, it'll be a classic. Yeah, and I, I, ho- <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Yeah, or if I just won't talk about it much well, more than that, but it was yeah. a joke that you almost got right. And yeah, it was, yeah. Um, then you covered it up with a very funny save. Yeah, um, and I think when I first started, I was lucky to start. So I did that one, that first gig at uh, the club in in Wollongong, the Builders Club. Just for people that uh, maybe aren't familiar with the size of Wollongong, like how big is Wollongong so itself? It's definitely bigger than Albury. Yeah. Um, Would you say it's like a massive suburb of Sydney? Is it that size or? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely still, there's a bit of, yeah, there's starting to be a running joke that Wollongong is just a suburb of Sydney now because yeah, people okay. live and commute all the time. But it is definitely its own city. Yeah, okay. But to me, I say to people, especially being there for three years, it's Aubrey on the beach. Okay. So it's definitely more of a city and it's got more more things, but it's all, it's still, it's not Sydney. Yeah. It's not Melbourne, but it's, um, you could live there and so if you were like me coming from here, yeah. it was a really good adjustment. You know, first time out of home, first new experience. It was a, if I had gone straight, if I had gone to Sydney, if I had gone to Melbourne, even though I loved Melbourne, yeah. I may not have had the best experience. Yeah. But because Wollongong was a bit quieter but still plenty of people, plenty of things to do. And big enough to have professional comics. Yeah, there. yeah. And they had – and in the, when I first started, there wasn't much of a scene. It was like that one room. And then coincidentally, as I started, I know a genuine open mic night started in a little cafe, yeah. um, ran for two and a half years. Another pro room started, another open mic started. And that's, that's all fluctuated since. But then now they're at a point where they've got probably two pro rooms and 
at least two open mics. Okay, so the base kind of amount of activity is, even though it's fluctuated up and down, is still higher than what yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, and I think I was really fortunate to see to be a part of that, like to be like a you know foundation member. Yeah, um, that's cool. And that was yeah, and I don't really think about that or not enough. And when I ever see my Wollongong mates and we just chat comedy, yeah, we we do have to remind ourselves that you know we were because now it's it's like in terms of comics, there's much more. Because when I first started, there was like the two guys that ran it, who still were running a lot of it, who were Stu and Marty, and then there was like eight of us who were all the same level, open micers, so all trying to start out. And now there's like there'd be I wouldn't even know all of them. There was a point where I knew everyone, yeah, um, which is a good thing, I think, because it brings more people in, but it's also. It, the more people is the more good stuff there can be, but if there's more people, there's all can be a lot of bad stuff, which is all part of it. Yeah. But I, I think, and you did touch on it that you know I'm a bit more further along. But sometimes I, I have to remind myself that if I knew someone new, so like, say you're brand new, you've done I think we've done two spots. Uh, I think I did five open mics, and I did my first quote unquote club show at yeah. the Bended, yeah, so a non-open mic the other night, so even though I was the open micer. That was a proper yeah. show, I guess. So, I've, yeah, that's it. You've, I've done one ticketed show. Yeah, so there you go. Like, for me, I didn't I didn't really think about this much and I probably don't give myself enough credit in the fact that, yeah, like I, I've i lost count of the amount of gig. I remember the time when I could count my spots. Yeah. I could go, I've done this spot, this spot, and that, I've done eight spots. Yeah. But now I'd like, yeah. So I, I think I don't realise that someone, even though I'm still an open mic level, like I'm obviously not getting paid regularly to do it, but I still have to remind myself that, you know, if someone like you is coming to me after doing three spots or five spots, I might have, without knowing it, without thinking it, I might have something to, to, to offer, offer Yeah, in from a, like a comedic like point of view. It's funny you bring that up. The thing that I've noticed, and I don't know whether, because I actually have heard you say that, You've had experiences in Melbourne where making people laugh actually made you pretty much enemy number one with the other comics. Yeah. But around here at the moment, it's always been a real, for the lack of a better term, given the company, dog eat dog thing in the music industry around here. Yeah, yeah. Bands hate bands. Bands are jealous of other bands. I've only found welcoming yeah. experiences and people since trying to get up and tell a few jokes. Do some stand It's completely different than what I expected. And don't get me wrong, I had the same experience in Wollongong, and that's why I look at oh, I look at that so fondly because we were like that. We were all we were all good, so even though we were starting at the same time and we had the same level of experience, but I just ran into some like funny people, and and it was really fun, and and we're all we're all very supportive to the point where we'd support each other, but especially when we all started doing the more more gigs popped up in Wollongong, we get to a point where we backed each other up. But also, if you weren't funny, we we were we wouldn't say never do it again. You're a piece of shit. Um, but we <laughs> yeah. would, we would go, that probably wasn't great. Um, so, but but in sometimes we wouldn't have to say it like we wouldn't say it like that. But we'd also subconsciously you'd go, well, that didn't go well. But Jamal, who's one of my best mates, did really well. So I have to next gig or next spot. If I want to keep up with these guys, yeah, I've got to bring it. So there was a competitive spirit there, but it was also super supportive. Whereas we would go together to Sydney, like a group of us, and yeah, it was similar to that band thing. It'd be 
comics wouldn't give each other credit or wouldn't listen to each other's spots or, like, you'd go to a tough open mic room and you wouldn't get a laugh because it'd all be comics who aren't paying attention yeah. to you. And um, which has its place to do tough rooms like that. But yeah. I think in the long run, if you have a, even just a couple of people that, that are comics that really support you, and I think that's what Aubrey's hopefully fostered more and more. Yeah. That, and then that, because any people come and do comedy, that's always a good thing. Yeah. Um, and not everyone, like, you keep doing it. And, if, and I, I'm, I'm not getting into it to be, you know, to book Netflix specials. and to, Like, <laughs> yeah. if, I, if I just do it because I enjoy it yeah. and if something happens from it, like some sort of career or some great opportunity, great. But if, if it's just getting up every now and then doing a spot, then that's fine too. What I also wasn't expecting was the the buzz of hearing people you don't know laugh. Yeah, okay. Like so, the actual buzz afterwards yeah, was Yeah. I mean, I've played all I've played a lot of really great gigs in my life and I, that was a buzz. Yeah. But it's very different to the stand up like laughter. Even though I only did four and a little bit minutes at yeah. the Bended Elbow show. Yeah, I felt that it was going well and everybody there that came and that I actually have spoken to either there or since said it was yeah. very, very funny. Yeah, mate, it's like I remember my first gig went pretty well. Yeah. If I look back on it now, I go, it was pretty, it was very raw because your first spot. Yeah. But I remember it went well and I'm, I got a laugh but my first joke and I, it just kind of hit me. I was like, this is, this is it. Like, <laughs> it's awesome. Like, <laughs> I don't, like these, and I can't, and getting to know the people I've met, like it was kind of, these are my pe- people. I, I definitely felt this weird kind of, connection to it and I remember get being up there going this is amazing and this uh and I remember sitting there on on stage as well as off stage going how was that like the adrenaline I've definitely learned to cope with that adrenaline better but that first spot when you get that did you did you find let's just talk about two different moments in in your experience how you found them then and maybe how you find them now did you find the moment where you got a laugh to be the more kind of out-of-body experience yeah, or did you yeah. find the moment where you bombed for the first time or maybe you didn't get a laugh or, or a joke didn't go how you thought and there's that dead silent moment. But both had their had their moment because yeah. when you get the first laugh and that was like... My a, brain got well away from yeah. me when I got my first laugh. Yeah, so I'm the, like, oh, this is going well and then yeah, it just spiraled yeah, out of yeah. control. And Yeah, 100%. So and my first open mic, I literally was visibly shaking with nerves. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, remember, I remember I was sitting at my first gig and I was sick with nerves. And I had a mate show up. I said, oh, can you just come? Like I had probably two friends there. I didn't, I just asked, I didn't like beg them to come. And I was like, can you just, if you want to come, it's my first spot. This could be funny. Yeah. This, one, it could be funny for two reasons. It could be funny because it goes well or it could be funny for you because it goes badly. Yes. And then you have to like drag me home <laughs> and and then you'll, you'll, talk, you'll talk about this experience either way for a long time yeah. because if it goes well and I continue to do this, and it might come something, yep. then it'll be great. If it's not, then you'll still laugh at it because it'll be bad. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, of course I'll come. And he was more supportive than that. That's a good sales uh, pitch. So he comes he comes in and I'm sitting there like sick with nerves and he just throws me a beer. He goes, oh, have, have, you want a beer? I'll pour, I'll pour you a beer. I don't know if you want it before you go on. I didn't want it, but I drank it anyway. I've never drank. I didn't scull the beer, but I'd never drank a beer so fast yeah. in my life. So I got up, did the thing. It went pretty well. Some of the jokes now I'd never say again. Yeah. But they did okay at the time. Yeah. Um, 
And then, yeah, that, that first laugh, like you said, is that real kind of, wow, this, and that was back to that, well, this is amazing. I think it, those people that, yeah, laugh, because it's a real involuntary, like, thing. Well, they're... Laughter. Yeah, particularly at an open mic, because I yeah. think people are there with the intention of, well, these guys have to prove this stuff's yeah. good. Yeah, or there are other comics who, are, other wor- com- who, worrying about, yeah. who are worrying about their, <laughs> other, their own sets. Yeah. So I was lucky that this was a pro night with a real audience. Yeah. So that was helpful for me and I didn't think about, think about it at the time. So then, but then the first bomb, which was actually here in Albury, the Albion um, had, the, <laughs> had the gig. So I remember it was, a, and this, and I'll tell so you. So how many gigs in do you think you were? Three. You, oh, so you were traveling back and forth. This so was, I would be in Wollongong and then I would go, I'd come home for uni break. Yeah. So it just so happened that the the Albion gig had started that year. Yeah. Okay. I started. So right I was, right my, 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 my dad texted me. He goes, oh, the Albion's just started comedy. Should hit him up and, and do a spot. Yep. So I did that because at this point I'd done two spots that went pretty well, including one at the Albion. One at the Albion went really well considering. Yep. And then I came back and it just so happened that it lined up that it was um, another month's gig at the Albion. And and it, um, and it this is how, I don't know if you, have you had a proper bomb yet? Can I tell you quickly about mine then? Because yeah. yours yeah, sounds yeah, like it's yeah. probably more in. I'll tell you, if you if it's bad, you remember it for the rest, you'll remember it for the rest of your life. I I knew I had that Bended show coming up and it was the first show I'd invited my friends to come That's, to. Yeah. I, w- I wanted to be good. Yep. Maybe not, obviously not no potential of being great, but I didn't want to suck. Yeah. So I went the previous week to a local open mic that was only music. Yeah. Mostly. And there was oh, I don't and I, won't, I don't want to disparage them because they're doing a lot of cool stuff. I know and, what you're talking about yeah. though. I've done that room and stuff. And <laughs> I think for the musicians it's a great thing, but nobody there wanted to laugh and I was on very quite early. Yep. And done it well. Yep. I I told myself going in this could be really bad, but yeah. in the end this might be good for you. Yeah. To do it in a place where, where no one cares. No one really wants to laugh and yeah. you probably shouldn't expect them to. Yeah. And it didn't go well. Yep. And the one guy down the front that I kind of got a bit fixated on because he looked like he wanted me to, my skin to melt off, yeah. he turned out to be a super nervous old guy that was reading music off a chart and went yeah. on stage after me. Yeah. So I was fixated on the wrong person. Yeah. But I did get told a week later at a gig at the same venue by the sound guy and a few other people, well, you were really funny last week but it's hard to laugh when you're the only person. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so weird, basically yeah. I had, there was 40 people in there yeah. approximately. Nobody. <laughs> told you that was going to happen. Nobody laughed. Yeah. Um, and it, for the first two jokes that had always gotten chuckles. Yeah. At the open got, got you off on, on the right foot. Yeah, yeah, they were strong. And even I thought they were reasonably good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I got nothing. I'm like, wow, this yeah. is going to be hard. Yeah. <laughs> we're I'll, getting a... I'll just fix that dog up again. Sorry about that. Yeah, you're cut right. Cut the flow, but he'll do that all night otherwise. Probably about another joke later, I realised ah, this is going to be that bomb you need. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it wasn't really a bomb because it wasn't going well. Then suddenly it wasn't. It just wasn't from the yeah, first yeah, minute. Yeah. I had that happen on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I know what that's like. I heard little rustles the other day at the open mic about a gig that was tough, but I yeah. we won't talk too much about no, it because no, no. it was a private function. Yeah, from memory. yeah. But yeah. those ones about I've done a couple of those and they don't go well. Because even though the ones I've done, they've expected a comedian. Like we've got a comedian coming or uh, comedians coming. It still can be hard 
because they're they've had dinner or they're talking they're talking about something else. Yeah. So when you kind of show well, up, this guy's trying to make me laugh. I'm yeah. eating cheesecake. Yeah, yeah, or something like that. So, but my first bomb, which was at a like, comedy night, which was at the LB, and I remember it distinctly because it was grand final weekend, AFL grand final weekend. Yeah. So it was Friday night before the grand final on Saturday. So no one was there anyway because you know people are either uh, going to Melbourne for the footy or they're out doing something else. Saving themselves for the getting, Saturday. Getting ready for Saturday to rip themselves a new one. Yeah. Um, and but then on that same Friday night, and this has all happened because the Al- Albion ran the first Friday of the month. So regardless of the date or the whatever happened, yep. it just so happened that that was the first Friday. So on that same Friday, the art gallery, which has now been open for a few years, yep. was opening at its <laughs> opening night. Wow. And just on that, they had like a big like mini festival sort of thing. Yeah. Bought of stores and food and stuff. So anyone that was out was at that. And um, it just so happened that there would have been 20 people. In a, in a room that usually would have averaged 60 to 80, there was 20 people. Wow. And and I remember it was... Was the, this a paid show, Ollie, or an open mic? I was doing an open mic spot, but it was a pay, like a ticketed, ticketed, ticketed show. Ticketed yep. show. So the, the, the Melbourne comics... We're getting paid yeah. like any like they do, and I was just the open mic, um, which I was fine with at the time. And I remember, yeah, it just didn't go well. And I was just riding the confidence of my other two good spots. Yeah. And I was like, I'll try something new. I'll try a new joke. Yeah, right. Which is not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and just yeah, <laughs> ate it. Yeah. Died hard. <laughs> the hard. I had a pro comic say this to me on on the first my, my first gig. He said in the green room afterwards, he goes, look, whatever happens from now on, you're addicted. So whatever happens for you from now on, whether it goes badly, you you'll have, you could have 10 bad gigs in a row, but you know it went well once. So that, that'll be enough. Usually that's enough. If you're proper into it and you're addicted, like I, said, like I think you are, I can see it in your eyes, yeah. you'll, you'll chase, you'll, you'll keep going back. Just to try and do another good gig. Yeah. And yeah. I, I tell you what, the ratio of good gigs to bad gigs, Bad gigs are definitely winning. And yeah. Because the moment you get a bit of confidence, go, oh, I'm getting pretty consistent and I'm having a, I'm starting to be a good comic, you'll have a bad gig. It'll hit, it'll hit you in the face and you'll yeah. go, oh, now I've got to sort of reevaluate everything. Yeah. And not that you're like to the point where you're sad or depressed, but you've, you just, it helps you take, for me anyway, it has helped me take stock and go, all right, well, actually, all right, now I've got to get back and either rewrite some jokes or think about what I'm saying. From like, because I need to be. I know I'm funny. I know I've got gear that's funny. Yeah. But yeah, the moment you get a bit confident, it does find a way to sort of sharpen your back up and go. Actually, yeah. Because I remember the first after the first gig, even I rolled off stage, and I'm thinking, who? I had one of my. I'm dropping out of uni. I'm going to do a festival comic tomorrow. Who's <laughs> Who's Will Anderson? Don't worry about Dave Hughes. It's give all, me a room, give me his job on the radio. It's all about me now. Like, yeah. And then yeah. But then you bomb and you're like, oh, actually, I'm just, I'm just another one now. Like, I've just got to, if I want to do this, I've got to get to work. And and I heard Bill Burr talking about this. He's one of my favorite comedians. He was he was talking about there really is no other art form where you can reach the upper echelons of the endeavor and go out and completely eat it. Still, yeah, hundred percent. And yeah. Matt. Sebastian Maniscalco said the same thing recently on I don't know if it was on Instagram or on a podcast or something. 
He'd just done four sold-out nights at Madison Square Garden, I think, which is yeah. 18,000 yeah, people. Yeah, massive, huge. And he said that he can, he can still go out and a, bomb, a joke will just be a piece of yeah, crap. Yeah, And you just never know until it's on the stage. Yeah. And then it just doesn't work and you go, I've heard Chris Rock have a similar chat and go, it just doesn't work. Anyone from Bruno Mars to Led Zeppelin to Guns N' Roses to the Rolling Stones or whoever you want to pick, yeah, the biggest bands in the world, they know that even the very worst thing that can happen will still have 80,000 people screaming yeah, because and loving it. If they play a new new song and it's not good or it doesn't get a lot of like fanfare like from the release before they even play it live, they just know, like the Stones know they can go and play Satisfaction and people lose their minds. We can make them forget about that in yeah, two seconds. Yeah, so they can sandwich a new song if they want to write a new song. Same with ACDC. Yeah, but they don't even need to. That's yeah. the crazy thing. Like but- ACDC and this, like... They can play as long as they're alive and still book a stadium. I'm not convinced, Ollie. They won't be playing until after they're alive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's – and I heard a great uh, bit from a comic and it was part of his bit, but the point was, you know, you can't cover – one, you can't cover comedy. So I can't get up at Bended and go, oh, tonight I'm covering Seinfeld and no. 20 minutes of Seinfeld and it'd be fine because that's joke – that's stealing. So whereas you can do that, you know, someone in the corner of a pub can play Wonderwall and people lose their minds because you're playing Wonderwall. And you, you can also, you get to a point where even the best comics need new stuff to keep an audience into it. The only, Probably the only one I can think of off the top of my head that can get away with not continually producing new stuff is probably Seinfeld. Yeah. And he actually talks about that, saying, I, because a lot of the guys now with Netflix and stuff and the streaming services pump it out every two years. Yeah. Which is much more frequent than a comic would have in the past. Yeah. Well, Seinfeld, he's from that generation. He goes, I'd never did that. Like, I, he said, I cut, I heard him say he cuts the oldest 10% of his, so he's been doing comedy for, so he's, he, he could be doing a bit for 10 years yeah. and then just thought, oh, I've had enough doing that bit. And he would write new stuff, don't be wrong. Uh, but yeah, it is that there is a most for a lot of comedians, you have to put out new stuff because that's what people want. And with the streaming services now, with all the content we have at YouTube, I could go and see Bill Burr do one of his hours that's on Netflix and I'd be happy with that. But if I see him again in two years or four years, there's part of you that goes, if you're still doing the same bit, maybe like, what's the deal? Part of what makes comedy great is that 99.9% of what's great about a joke happens in that uncontrollable first moment yeah. that you get the joke. Yeah. Whereas a song can speak to you in 10 different ways over the course of your life. It could be the melody or it could be the fact, take a Metallica song. I can speak to them because I'm not a massive fan, so I don't care about bagging out part of their career. Yeah. The thing that I liked about it to begin with, was that I was I was playing bass and they had this phenomenal bass player early in their career. Yeah. And then I started playing guitar and I got into the guitar. Mm. Then I got into heavier music than I liked. I liked Offspring and Nirvana. Yeah. And then they were the band that was heavy. Yeah. And then I liked the fact that they had soft bits and quiet bits. Yeah. And then I liked the fact that I discovered they're actually more socially oriented lyrically than I thought they were. Yeah, okay. Particularly their early albums like Master of Puppets. That kind of carried me through it. 10 years of liking that band a little bit, enough that I liked that record. Yeah. And it wasn't just because of that first moment. It, yeah. grew, it grew over time. 
Yeah, but I, I also think a good indicator for great comedy is is because I have like Bill Burr's a good one. I have a couple of guys like Sebastian Maniscalco's another one. I've rewatched his Netflix special. Those two particularly are great yeah. for the rewatch. So I feel like great comedy like that, you can just rewatch it and still find. Is it because they've got a touch of that? Hilarious, angry friend that might be ranting about something at the pub. Yeah, just they yeah. happen to be brilliant at it. Yeah, and you're like, I've I've heard him rant about this before, I but remember, I love it. <laughs> I remember I've I discovered like I just found Sebastian Maniscalco on on Netflix. Yeah, by chance, and and I remember just watching. Oh, who's this guy? And just because how physical he is and his yeah. all his expressions and stuff, I it was cr- like crying. Yeah, like, I think I had to pause it at one point. Yeah, his, I was just laughing. his specials are. But Special. There was yeah. a couple. There's been a couple of moments like that. Bill Burr, when I first discovered a clip of his on YouTube, yeah, I remember just going, "Who is this guy?" And that's when, probably when I really so I was 19 when I really discovered like American stand up and became like a comedy fan and realized you can do this for for a job and yeah. and then I kept and then you know once on you're on YouTube like Bill if you like Bill Burr you like this one and then. Yeah. I heard Joe Rogan, yeah. he was interviewing Sebastian. I didn't know who he was at that point. But I remember him saying that Sebastian, and he he admitted this on the, the podcast, that he was not very good for a very long time. Yeah. Like he was actually far behind yeah. the Rogans and those guys at that point. Yeah. And for a while he wasn't even sure why he was why he was doing it. But he said in the back of his mind he was going for something that people weren't getting. Yeah. And it just took probably yeah. the, the performance level that he has now where it's so physical and there's so many gaps with no words that yeah. he's doing something funny. Yeah. It it took him a lot longer to get good. And then Rogan was saying that he went away. I think he might have moved to Colorado or something. Yeah. And then he came back three or four years later and Sebastian was the yeah, guy. Just killing it. Absolutely murdering. And I, th- I feel like that too. There's, we, see, we see what we see. Like you look at Kevin Hart. Whether, yeah. Whatever you think of his stand up, it's irrelevant. But you look at, he's been doing, I heard him in an interview. He said, like, he's killing it now. And, and you think, oh, he's just walked up. He was doing, he was doing stand up in like New York in the clubs since he was 19 years old. He's now nearly 40. And you probably, we've probably only known about him on the, this global scale for the last maybe 10, eight to 10 years. If yeah. So there's a lot of work that goes, and same with Bill Burr. Like, he's probably only reached, his point where he is in the last sort of seven years. Yeah. Mark Maron's another one. Like yeah. he started his podcast because he said my career was done. <laughs> yeah. And now he's well, I think the same thing. Him and Burr both have huge shows. Yeah. So that's so, that's definitely grown there. So that gives their like, international that gives audience me yeah. a bit of like hope in a way. If you're willing to grind, you might make something something of it. You might not become a global superstar. Well, I think the but ultimate example I can think of at the moment of someone that appeared to come out of nowhere but apparently was, as you just put it, grinding for a long time was Ali Wong. Yeah. Ali Wong has this gigantic special, Baby Cobra, which granted was fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. She's got two on there now that are real funny. And it was like how did this mysterious pregnant Asian woman just fully come fully formed and be funny as hell? Yeah, she didn't. She's been working. And it was because she was out of the line. I think it was because she wasn't in New York or... Yeah. I think she might have been in San Diego or San Francisco. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember someone saying she wasn't in one of the major markets yeah. at that point. Well, I heard Chris Rock say he 
got asked the standard question, like, what would you give a young comic advice? He said, and this was to in America, obviously, he said, move. Move from wherever you are to New York or LA. But he said, probably start in New York. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is, it is interesting. Even in Australia, you just, you see people and you're like, they go from not knowing who they are to everywhere. Yeah. And and I guess that kind of help, helps me a bit to, yeah. to go, all right, well, if I just keep doing gigs and if I really wanted to commit, commit it, I could probably come up with something. Um, but yeah, it is, it is, it's a great fun. And I'm, yeah, I, I think I always found it interesting people when I've heard of comics say, oh, I'm, I'm giving up, I'm stopping performing, like I'm quitting comedy. Yeah. It's like, well, I'll never just, I, to me, I'll go, well, don't say that, just don't perform for a while. Because I feel like I'll never quit because I'll just always have it. And if I don't perform for a while, whether that's by choice or not, just lack of gigs, yeah, <laughs> I'll still always do it. I'll still always do it. Yeah. Um, and that's the beauty of like, the scene around here is trying to get a bit of momentum. <laughs>